You know when your friend starts a new relationship and you get to have coffee and talk about all the exciting details? That's how I feel about Kat Harris. And I've not actually met her in real life. I know, weird, right? Kat has been very open about her dating life and beliefs on love and romance in her blog series, Sexless in the City. I've been reading Kat's stories on her blog, The Refined Woman, for a while now, and have loved going on this journey with her that, for the most part, looks nothing like my story. And if I'm honest, they really inspire me and make me consider ways that I can step out and live more boldly in my own dating life. Today, Kat shares her story about growing up with shame, entering the dating world, and shares some majorly good dating advice for every single lady listening right now. And be sure to listen all the way through and catch her insanely good explanation of what the Bible actually says about romance and sex. If you've ever been curious why Christians believe some of the things they do, or you just need a refresher, you've really got to hear this. She explains it so well. This is the non-exclusive podcast. Stories that remind you you're not the only one. Hosted by Rebe and Candice. Can you believe it? Your encouragement has kept this podcast going for a whole year. Non-exclusive is one. It's our birthday. We are so excited. We cannot even begin to tell you how fun this has been to create this podcast for you guys and hearing all your amazing encouragements. And just seeing that this resonated with you. Sometimes you feel like the only one and that these episodes and these stories have actually helped you step out of that and, you know, growing your own story. And that's awesome. So if you ever want to leave one of those words of encouragement or just tell us what has meant a lot to you, a great way to do that is in the Apple Podcasts app. You can leave a rating and review. And if you can't tell, we really do read them and they really do mean so much and really help out the podcast too. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe because that is the best way to know when we release a new episode. So thank you so much for listening. We have loved being on this journey with you and we cannot wait to share more stories with you. Kat Harris is a Brooklyn-based speaker, digital content creator, and female empowerment advocate. She loves Jesus, a good Beyonce dance party, and has an affinity for ranch dressing. Don't take it away from her. She is co-founder of online publication, The Refined Woman, and the host of The Refined Collective podcast. Her vision is for women to know their beauty, identity, and value. If you want to connect with Kat, we'll link all of her socials in the show notes. We're so excited about this. So here's our conversation with Kat. We all have so many different layers to our stories. Um, But I would say, just really as a human, as how dating looks for me for a really long time is pretty non-existent. I mean, in high school, I made out with a ton of guys and just was kind of like a tease. Like I would just make out and would be surprised if guys would want to go further. I'm like, wait, you don't just want to hold my hands. Like, (laughs) I think I, there was like a part of me that had this like naivete. Um, And then I became a Christian when I was going into my senior year of high school and had always been taught, even didn't grow up in a Christian home, not to have sex until marriage. Um, that was, I think that was more the Southern proper thing to do. And then I became a Christian and learned really quickly about the purity movement and waiting until marriage. And so I really didn't blink twice at it. I thought, okay, I'm a Christian and this is what you do. 
But underneath a lot of that, I was really shut down to my sexuality and my femininity for a long time. I would say my teen years and most of my 20s. And I think a lot of that had to do with the shame that, unfortunately, I think the church puts on a lot of women for being the the bearer of the weight for the male problem with lust. And so I felt like I was really taught to hide myself. And it was almost as though I was supposed to hide that I was a woman. Like, oh, people shouldn't know this about me. Um, so I think I felt kind of scared of my desire, scared of my femininity. So I would hide myself in baggy clothes. I also was insecure about my body. Um, so being shut down to my sexuality for a long time was a huge thing. And then also I was working through all sorts of daddy issues. My dad was an addict as I was growing up. And it's so interesting. I didn't think that he impacted me, but yet the men that I would date were like unhealthy versions of who he was when he was an addict, whether it was double like duplicitous, um, narcissistic, emotionally unavailable. And I was just clawing at these guys to change for me. So underneath that, I could prove to myself that I was worthy to be loved, that I was worthy for a man to change for, for a man to stick around for. Um, so I had a lot of just great things going on. <laughs> um, on top of that, I was terrified of rejection and so you couple all of that with like shut down to sexuality, working through all my daddy issues, being scared of rejection, even though I wasn't totally awake to that. It was like I had a 10 foot full pull that said, stay away. And so even though I really wanted to be in a relationship, I felt as though guys wouldn't even look at me. I can see now it's because of the way I was showing up um, and then kind of muddled with all of that. I doubted I was really worthy for the type of relationship that I really longed for. So for most of my life and most of my dating life, I settled for scraps, parts of the whole, because my heart was so hungry for love. It felt like something was better than nothing. I, I think dating felt like a really painful thing to me for a really long time until I dated one guy and it was just really toxic. This was in my uh, mid-20s, and I kind of became awake to, okay, this guy is treating me poorly. He doesn't even really like me, but yet I am so attached to him wanting me, and this isn't healthy. So I started getting therapy and counseling and really spent the better part of, I would say, close to five years doing a lot of personal growth, and I did a lot of um, emotional intelligence workshops and got mentorship and coaching and really got a lot of healing. Um, and through that learned that like God created me as a woman. And so it's a beautiful thing that I'm a woman. It's my desire is not a scary thing. It doesn't have to be shameful. Like God's not, God's not ashamed that I desire to be in a relationship that I desire to have sex. And if I didn't desire to have sex there, that's another conversation altogether. Maybe there's <laughs> something wrong with my hormones. And so 
kind of unpacking a lot of those old wounds, I kind of really got to wade in some deep waters of um, what is it that I really want? What do I really think I'm worthy of? What does it look like to actually tangibly in my life believe that God says I am like, I am good, that I am enough, that I am worthy, that I am whole. How would I be showing up in the dating world if that were actually true? And that really changed everything. Um, it almost felt like overnight, even though it wasn't, because I don't believe that anything is all of a sudden or happens out of a vacuum. But after doing years of work, I just remember one day walking down the street in New York City and noticing men notice me. And I remember being like, whoa, like, what, am I wearing something new? Am I wearing, what's going on? Like, guys are taking note of me. This has never happened in my whole life. And I realized that that probably was happening, but because I was shut down, I was scared, I was emotionally unavailable, I doubted my worth, that those things were probably happening, but I wasn't awake to that and I wasn't able to receive it because I didn't believe that I was worthy of that. So... Yeah, that's kind of a little bit of the history. I love that you brought that around to how relationships really start with, like, being healthy yourself. Like, that really changes mm. so much. So thanks for just sharing that story. Like, that's really powerful in a lot of areas yeah, of life. Of so where did um the waiting thing come in like what because you said you didn't bat an eye at, at it at first like um yeah but we've kind of heard you to speak or post um about this topic now mm -hmm. um I'm just curious like what your why was and what that looked like yeah well for a long time my why was because that's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian I was trusting what pastors were telling me, what leaders were telling me, and what Christian culture was telling me, that you don't have sex if you're not married. And it's really easy not to have sex when you're not dating at all. So for a long time, that just, it wasn't even an issue for me because I was not dating a lot. So I wasn't really challenged with what's my why here? Why, why do I think this is true? I honestly, I was a Bible major in college and I couldn't even tell you, does the Bible actually say not to have sex until marriage? I just was like, okay, this is just what I'm supposed to do. Well then, um, I, oh gosh, four or five years ago, dated a guy and fell head over heels for this guy. And I mean, we were so physically attracted to each other. And I remember with him was really the first time that I was like, let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't want you to just kiss me a sweet, innocent kiss at the door. Good night. I let's go to my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I was really confronted with um, my decision when I was dating this person and I, we didn't have sex, but it was like a logistical thing at that point. Like, um, just, we had some close calls and we ended up breaking up and I was devastated and kind of in the aftermath of that, I was talking with one of my friends who, or one of my best friends who 
isn't a Christian and doesn't share my worldview on faith and sex and all of that. And I thought, man, if there's anyone who's going to be on board with me starting to have sex, it's going to be this person. And so was kind of talking to her and saying, you know, I think I'm just, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm 29, I'm 30, I'm in my sexual prime. Like, let's, I wasn't saying I wanted to sleep around or anything, but I just felt like, I didn't feel guilty at all for how far that I had gone with this guy. In fact, it felt like the most natural thing in the world. And so I just felt like if it happens, it happens. And she just kind of looked at me and was like, you are out of your mind. You, and she really challenged me. She said, you know, you've believed this thing for 15, 16 years and adhered to it don't just throw it all away because you all of a sudden want to have sex. She really challenged me. She's like, figure out what you believe and why you believe it. And um, so I am so grateful for community and friends like that, who she fought for me, even when I didn't really want to be fought for. So that sort of sent me on what ended up being about a year journey of really digging into what I believe. And as a woman who follows Jesus, really saying, okay, God, like, what's your heart for sex? And, and actually, does the Bible actually have something to say about this? And what does it look like to be a woman in the 2000s <laughs> with online dating and hookup culture? Um, what does it look like to be a woman of dignity, to be a woman that's faithful? And so, I started by researching every verse in the Bible that talked about sex, and the Bible does have a lot to say about it. And it started to bum me out how people have translated it, because all over, especially the New Testament, says to flee from sexual immorality. And, like, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) I didn't know. So I was researching the Greek and the Aramaic and the sexual immorality the Greek word for that is porneia, which is obviously where we get words like pornography. And what that means is to flee from, like, don't have sexual activity or relations, not just intercourse with anyone that's not your husband. So that could mean extramarital affairs and premarital affairs. So once I found out, okay, Scripture actually clearly states no sex before marriage. Um, That's an actual principle that scripture talks about. That was helpful for me because part of, part of being a Christian is leaning into faith. And the older I get, the more faith it becomes this like, oh my gosh, this concept that is so hard for me to wrap my head around. But faith is leaning into the unseen. Faith says, I see what culture says, I experience my feelings, I see the reality that is around me, and those are all very real things, yet I'm choosing to believe a more ultimate reality, which is who God says He is, His Word, and who He says I am. So that was helpful, but it still wasn't like totally compelling for me, so I kept like leaning in, and it really wasn't until... I was rereading Genesis and Genesis 2, the creation account of man and woman and Adam and Eve that I really felt like God stopped me in my tracks. And, you know, I've 
I've read that story a thousand, maybe not a thousand times, but um, I feel like you can read something so many times and then you read it another time and it just sticks out to you in a totally different way. And that's what happened to me when I read about, you know, God creating Adam and giving him, um, giving him work and giving him calling and also saying within that, it's not good for man to be alone. Um, but God didn't fulfill that need for him immediately. God said, you still work. And so Adam was able to work with integrity and longing and not sin. And then in God's timing, God puts Adam to sleep. And while Adam is asleep, he begins fashioning and forming woman. And I just imagine him like buffing her skin and like getting her ready and then Adam doesn't see Eve until God awakens Adam to her, which I think is something super interesting to think about as women. We're like, where are the guys? Where are the guys? Well, why aren't they pursuing? Why aren't they asking more girls out? I think until God awakens a man to, um, to like the woman God has for him, like he's not going to see her. And so I also think, Eve had to be really grounded in her worth and the knowledge of like who she was and grounded as an individual person to receive Adam's love. So God awakens Adam and Adam's first response when he sees Eve is like this poetry at last, like he's relieved bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And the next verses say something along the lines that it's like, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and, you know, kind of those leave and cleave verses and be united with his wife. And then after they're married, then he, then he will know her, then they will be naked and without shame. So I really started thinking about what does that mean? And in Hebrew culture, what did it mean to leave home? And because we leave home for college, I'm 33 years old right now. And I have had to be frank, dozens of roommates since I graduated college um, or since I graduated high school. And so leaving home for us isn't this real rite of passage, but in Hebrew culture, you left home once, one time, and that was when you got married. And so it was a public declaration to your family, to your peers, your coworkers, to the family business, to your community at large, hey, I'm really serious about this woman. I'm so serious about this woman that I'm letting everyone know about it. And how many times as girls, or I'll just speak for myself personally, did I date guys that didn't introduce me to their friends, that only would come over late at night, that would not go to any great lengths to show to me that they were serious about me. So Adam leaves home. He perhaps leaves the family business and he builds her a house for them to live in. And then they get married and have sex. And I see something so compelling in that story. And it sort of stopped me in my tracks. I saw a man that had integrity. I saw a man that was faithful. I saw a man that was willing to go to great lengths to not only show this woman, but show every person in his life that he's a one-woman kind of man. And 
that kind of revealed to me how I'd been willing to settle for parts of the whole. I read that and I was like, I want a Genesis 2 type of love. That's the type of relationship I want. (laughs) I want a guy that is going to hold my hand in the daylight. I want Mm -hmm. a guy that is going to introduce me to his community and vice versa. I want to know what what other people think about him because that's really how we discern when we're getting to know someone, what's their character like? We'll find out how does family, how does family view him? How do his coworkers view him? How does he treat people at restaurants or the coffee shop? Like, is he a kind person? That happens in the daylight over a span of time and with someone who's willing to show you himself. And that's what I see in that re- that Genesis two type of relationship. So for me, yes, like there's there's a part where it's like, well, God tells me to not have sex before marriage. And as a finite person who's only 33 years old and that's the life experience I have, like, do I have the courage to submit to an infinite authority? Do I have the courage and humility to say, okay, God, who is infinite outside of time, is inviting me into this story. And he says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. So could it be possible that me waiting isn't to my detriment or because God's a killjoy or because he wants me to be shut down in my sexuality, but because he has a bigger, more holistic plan, more holistic view of sexuality. And so to that, I say, yeah, that's possible. And God, give me the courage to lean into that. But I also believe that God is always so about the heart as opposed to a rule. So if that is a rule, he has a heart behind it. And I think I see a lot of that heart in Genesis too. So once I got really clear about that, I ended that my journey of research and digging in for that year more conservative than when I started because I think before that, I think a lot of us do it. It's like, okay, I'm not having sex technically, but doing everything but, or I'm doing oral or, you know, we're doing sleepovers all the time. And I think once I kind of saw, okay, like this is something that I'm leaning into, it's it's an invitation from Jesus that I accept. And I believe his heart is good for, for me in this. Then it was, all right, so how do I actually walk this out? What's a good game plan? And, you know, I, would be on the first date and be like, wait, let's make out. Right. (laughs) Or, okay. If I really want to wait until marriage to have sex and a guy is in my bed by the second or third date, even though we're not having sex, if we're being really physically intimate or having sleepovers, like that's not a good game plan. So once I got really clear on my why, it's really helped inform how I walk that out as far as like physically, how far I'm choosing to go and not, this is awesome. That was really <laughs> compelling and well so explained. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Reby and I are both in like really different seasons of life. Um, Reby's married and has been for a year now. Yeah. Over yet. And um and I'm still very single. Um yeah. <laughs> so I totally feel you. Um, except that the reason why we're loving having you on this is that I'm not like, I've never gone on a date in my life. I've never been, I have none of this like dating experience. Mm -hmm. I'm 32, almost 33 and, um, don't have your, like, doesn't, I don't have any experience in, in like what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, but, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
want to get better at it because I don't want to be <laughs> single forever. But um, but yeah, that's like it's really every time I hear you talk, I just am um, really inspired and yeah, really wow. like it. So um, wow. well, thanks. I really appreciate it. Just as far as what you just said, like I've never been on a date, like never been kissed. I think I mean, I would have so many questions for you that I would want to chat with you about. But I think it can be hard to figure out and navigate. So what does dating look like? What does it look like to date in 28 or 2019? And I think it can be a little bit of a mind screw, especially in the church. It's like, okay, so I want this guy to lead. So I like, I think as women, we put so much on men and so much pressure on dating. Like dating is supposed to be fun and dating is all it really is, is getting to know another human being. Yeah. Like going to coffee never killed someone. <laughs> and we we make it like we're stepping off a cliff to our like to the abyss. Like when dating is I believe stepping off a curb. And I think for a long time it felt really scary to me to even let a guy know that I was interested, um, because I was so scared of being rejected. But one thing my mentor says is she says no one ever has a bad day when they find out someone has a crush on them. And so I do what I call um, practice, like dropping the hanky. Like in the olden days, if a girl <laughs> was interested, um, like as women, we say, oh, chivalry is dead. Like guys, you know, don't pursue anymore. It's because we don't let them. Like I think guys really do want to pursue women, but we make it so, well, first of all, we're not dropping any hankies. Like these women would drop a look at a guy in the eye, drop a hanky, and that was kind of like the green light to like you can come over and talk to me, like you can come ask me out. So I think that there's things that we can do as women to let it be known, like hey, I'm open, I'm available. One of the things that I practice and I encourage women to do is to go around for the next week or so, and if you see a guy that you think is attractive, look him in the eye and smile. Like, and just notice what comes up for you. Are you like, oh, like I could never do that. Or that's scary. Um, but just do it and see what happens. Um, no one ever died from looking someone in the eye and smiling um, and just practicing a posture of openness. Um, and I think body language is huge. So we have like open, open body stances and closed body stances. So when we're standing, you know, if you're standing at church or at the bar and your arms are crisscrossed over your chest and all you're doing is talking to your girlfriends, like you have put a closed for business sign energetically over your body. Yep. <laughs> and so I practice what does it look like to have to not do that and to not stuff my hands in my pocket and to not only talk to the women in the room, but like, for example, over the Christmas holidays, I went to a bunch of Christmas parties and I went alone to several of them, which was scary. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to go alone. I feel like such a loser. Like, what if I don't have anyone to talk to? But you, I use that as sort of practice to go and not just talk to only guys, but when you're surrounded by women constantly, like that's intimidating. And so practicing going to places where you can practice talking to men, um, practice flirting. So yeah, I think there is actually a lot that we can do as women. Um, I think online dating is great. I think we can remove that pressure of like stepping off the cliff. I, for one, like ask 
people in my life, hey, if you know anyone that you want to set me up with, like I'm down. Um, and I have a rule where I'll go on several dates with a person. So I think we put a lot of pressure on that first date. Like if there's no sparks or it's a little awkward, like, or he's not exactly what we thought physically, then we don't want to go out with him again. But I just think it takes time to get to know, to know another human. And there can be nerves on the first date. You know, God forbid someone's nervous. Um, <laughs> I know I can be nervous. Um, so to really be like, you know what, I'm going to take the pressure off the table here and let's just have fun and not interview the guy and be like, well, does he want to marry me? Um, does he check off all of these things? What does he believe theologically about this? Like, just get to know someone without quizzing them and being the morality police. And over time, you, you start to see, like, who this person is. And so I think that um, there, there is actually a lot that we can practice as, as women to put ourselves out there in that way and kind of take the pressure off dating and also, like, encourage the men in our lives. Like, I, I love talking with my guy friends about this. I'm always like, why don't you want to date any of these girls that, that you go to church with? And they're like, because we get blacklisted if we take a girl out and we go out a couple of times and it doesn't work. And what if we want to ask another girl out, then we become a player. And I think as women, we got to stop blacklisting guys like that and give each other space to be on a journey. And dating does not have to be this like all encompassing thing. It can just be like, Oh, he just went and had coffee with her. Okay, that didn't work. Great. Like, that means they're not for each other. So why would you not want that person to be with another person? I mean, <laughs> this is great. I feel like I'm learning so much. <laughs> Rebe's over here, like, nodding. nodding at me. Like, yeah, yes. you need to do that. Yeah, that's all of this. I'm like, oh, gosh. We'd love to hear, like, some of your like best and worst dating stories if oh gosh it's so funny I was at a party on New Year's Eve and we all went around and talked about like what was what's your worst dating story and what's your best dating story I mean dating in New York City is like a whole other beast I have dated more since living here than my whole life combined probably and so it's just it is a more casual dating scene which has been good for me to practice dating but I went on a date a couple months ago, and it was a guy that I met online, and I show up to this date, and within, like, the first 10 minutes, he's told me that he doesn't have a job, he's broke, and now pursuing his music, and, oh, so have you been a musician? He's like, no, I want to be a rapper. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. Um, and then he's like, he was like, you know, my goal is really like not to get fat and not to suck at rapping. And so I'm like, okay, great. So you have like lots of like really great ambitions and goals for your life. Um, I mean, that being said, we didn't have this like awful date. And then I am actually super traditional when it comes to like, especially those beginning dates, especially the first one, I always let the guy pay. And so he goes to pay and he's like, yeah, since I'm so broke, the reason why I brought you here is because I have a coupon. And I was like, cool. Like, again, not something he necessarily needed to tell me that he had a coupon for our date. And he goes up and the coupon doesn't work. And so it was just like one of those, like, 
uh, awkward. I just kind of looked the other way because I thought, you know, this guy's a dude. He can take care of it. If he can't afford to buy me a drink, then this, that's probably another conversation. So we like, that was the end of the date. And I, I look back at that and not that I'm like, I will not date a musician or if someone goes through a tough time, but I just was, I'm so clear of what I'm looking for. Um, for me, it's like the difference of like being in your early twenties as opposed to like in your thirties. Like if someone was like, just, you know, maybe out of college and like, yeah, I want to like pursue my music right now. Do it. The night is young. But, um, for me, I more so look at like, does this person have a plan? Um, my, my uncle says to look for someone who's steady, stable and secure. Now that doesn't mean that he needs to be a CEO with millions of dollars in his bank account, but someone who is clear with where they're headed, clear with, um, who they are, like Jesus, and clear that they want to be be someone that leads and provides for the woman that they're with. Now, that doesn't mean that I just want to sit at home and eat bonbons. That's not what I mean. But, yeah, so that was just kind of like a recent date where I was like, uh, okay, we've, this probably isn't going to work out. And then, gosh, I've had some really good dates. I had a date once where um, we had met at a yoga class and – we went to like a local pizza place in my neighborhood. And I mean, I was just like goo goo gaga over this guy. Like I could not wait to go on a date with him. And I walked in New York, you walk everywhere. Um, and something that happens in the summer is there's like random flash mobs essentially, or like rainstorms. And so I'm walking like two blocks to the to the restaurant and within those two blocks it is like pouring rain and I'm like this is like a Taylor Swift song <laughs> and so I like get to the restaurant and he's waiting for me outside and we kiss and it's raining and it just was so romantic and then we um had dinner and we're the last ones at the restaurant and it was the whole restaurant was lit by candlelight and it was just you know those moments that you have with guys where you're just like you feel like you have everything in common and like everything's going so great and he walked me home and like gave me a kiss and I just was like floating um and so I think that sometimes uh, I'll talk to my guy friends and they're like man what do women want like they just want all these grand gestures and I'm like I really don't and I don't think we really do like it to me it's like those little things of feeling connected, like being walked home. And um, so that was one of my, one of my good dates, nothing like totally crazy and special, but it just felt, it felt special, you know? Was that the same story as you talked about? I Like a few years ago, you wrote about, I think it was your sexless in the city. Like, uh-huh. I don't know if yeah, I've heard that yeah. before. Anyways. I've ri- yeah. I've written about that. One, okay. I, I yeah. read that and I, like read it like you know when you posted it and I was just like uh-huh. oh my gosh I'm swooning over here yes, <laughs> and yes. I, like shared it with so many people like this is uh, the best thing ever because it uh, was so cool like I don't, you know like when you're in a similar like life and just want something like that it was like yay things good things happen and totally. I I felt like so encouraged even by the fact that like I think you later wrote that like it didn't work and mm-hmm. it didn't work out and like how sad you were I was like well there's something so beautiful and vulnerable about you sharing something in the middle of it happening when it's not perfect 
and it doesn't end the way that everyone wants it to. And it's not easy. Um, I just like, that was really cool. Yeah. Well, I think that every opportunity is an opportunity to grow if we choose it to be. And I think having some, one of my friends calls it, um, you need to have seeing as believing moments. Um, and as in like that date, even though we ended up not working out long term, it was still a beautiful experience. And it, it was healing for me because I had dated such crappy guys in the past and he showed me what it felt like and what it looked like to be pursued, to be treated like a woman, to really be honored. And that was like, oh, my seeing is believing moment. Like, oh, this is possible. And this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And um, I have like all these little sayings I say, like today's ceiling is tomorrow's floor. So now that I've experienced that and know like, oh, a guy can actually take you out on a nice date, then stuff like guys texting me at like 9 p.m. saying, oh, you want to hang out? Like (laughs) that becomes like less appealing once you've experienced these other things. And so, yeah, I think even when it doesn't work out, like it's like you don't have to throw it all out. as like, well, that was bad because I didn't get the diamond ring. I didn't get the thing that I wanted. There still can be a lot of beauty and a lot of moments for growth and reflection on any of those experiences. My passion is for women to know that they matter, that they have a story to tell, that we have a story to tell, that it is actually possible that we are worthy, um, that we can have the things that we long for and hope for. And yeah, yeah, we so appreciate it because it definitely lines up with what we really want. And our, our heart for our podcast is so that women specifically know that they're not the only ones walking through something. And whether that's dating, you know, like this helps me because you're walking somewhere I haven't walked yet. And it gives me hope for that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really, really cool. So we really appreciate yeah. you taking oh, so this glad. time. Yeah. Oh, so glad. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was a lot of incredible information about being a woman, about dating, about how to get a date, all of these things. Candace. So, you know, you're a woman, you're currently single. What are you walking away with this? Like, I'm curious what you're thinking after this episode. Oh my gosh. This is like information overload. You have to know, like, I've been watching this girl for a long time. So I've been absorbing this information for a while. But to actually talk to her and hear some of this advice, like, let's just talk about dropping some hankies. That was really smart. I like how she described So that. good. I felt like... You know, Elizabeth Bennett or like, you know, that move of Lydia, which she throws the thing <laughs> so that the soldiers pick it up, you know, straight up pride and prejudice. But I don't think to do that. Like, I'm not that obvious with guys. I'm not like looking them in their eyes while I'm trying to be like, hey, I'm into you or whatever. Most of the time, I'm probably like, like all awkward and like looking down or not telling them what I think at all yeah I think a lot of women do that because that's a natural if you're at all self-conscious and sometimes we are when there's an attractive guy or when you know our nerves are happening but it's so simple it's just human interaction you know it's just acknowledging hey I notice you and it's just it's exuding confidence too which I know 
like my husband says that certain things I did that were confident, like that was actually what attracted him to me, not all the other stuff that maybe I was thinking would. For sure. Well, and I keep thinking back to this one instance where there was this very, very attractive guy and I had to work with him on something and I thought, you know, I was like swooning to the side. But he and I were working on something and every time I got near him, I just got the giggles. Like (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) like it was ridiculous. It, It was so bad. And I look back at this and this is like the perfect opportunity for me to be like, Look him in the eye. Be confident. All of these things. Yes, this was my younger self. But still, I'm very challenged to not do that now. To be super intentional and confident. Because you know what? I'm awesome. And my husband's going to know that. I'm worth doing that. You know? And I'm worth putting that out there. And so this is just really exciting to just be kind of like re-empowered. To be like, you know what, Candice? You're worth this. So be confident. And actually, like, show the men the single men in your life, who you actually are and not hide behind insecurity or fear or whatever. Yeah, this is an incredible challenge to actually take notice of these things like, hey, look them in the eye. Hey, actually, like ask them what they're doing tomorrow night or if they're coming to the event or like it's just conversation. Want to go to coffee? Yeah. Because I would do that with any friend, Mm -hmm. you know, and I but to a guy, it seems like. (laughs) But, you know, it's the same. That's how this starts. Exactly. A lot of times single women are like, I mean, what am I not doing? And sometimes it's just like the most obvious thing. Mm -hmm. And it's nice when someone's like giving you a practical step versus, well, you should probably just be at church more and you should go to all the functions and you should do all these things Mm -hmm. versus, yeah, you should do those things. But you also, also, also need to be like intentional to right, show like guys. just showing up and being a wallflower isn't really helping you, which no. is terrible for me because that's what I do. <laughs> but yeah, that's just it. Like the thing, I mean, even just how I met my husband, it was basically telling him, hey, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. And he still pursued me. And sometimes it, I like the idea of dropping the hanky because that's where you start. Interaction stuff that says, hey, I see you. That we all actually really appreciate that we want people to do to us too. Yeah, so. because she says in this, it's never a bad day when you find out someone has a crush on you. So true, though. <laughs> That's a solid advice. So just remember that. Yes. And be bold. So, Kat, you definitely gave us lots of food for thought. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And if you want to follow Kat for more great advice, which I highly suggest you do, you can listen to her own podcast called The Refined Collective. It's her goal to spread this message of empowerment to millions of women globally, which is great. You can follow her on Instagram at The Refined Woman or TheRefinedWoman.com. And she has a lot of great resources that dive deeper into this very topic of singleness, dating, sex, all that stuff. And we're going to link them in the show notes of today's episode. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Genesis 2, 22-24 